Hey, it's EDB. That's Eric Deshaun Barrett for this day 10 of month 10. It's 10-10, peoples. 2023. I want to talk today about the gay agenda. And no, well, I was going to say it's not going to piss you off, but it might. But I don't think it's going to piss you off in ways that you think. So I solicit that you just head out. Think about what I'm about to tell you. Then I want to talk about my work on BLM. And I also want to catch up on Matt, see how he's doing. He's had a hard weekend. Yeah. So we're going to check in with him, make sure he's all right. Plus, Mr. DJ, ma'am, DJ, non-binary DJ. On behalf of No Copyright Sound, are out here in these streets empowering creators through Royalty Free and No Copyright Sound. They're going to be doing their thing. And we appreciate them. Uh, I think that's about all. It's going to be short and sweet today. Just a uh-huh. dummy. So it's, yeah, it's a good time for us to get tough. Up to us. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm in the whip with a thotty, looking like Skybree, she got a body, ayy. And she been calling me daddy lately, want me to put her in Cardi J's. And the b- deserve it, put in work for the money she earn it. Give me top every night, lip service, now I gotta block these, she worth I'm it. I'm out of Abu Dhabi, with a bad b- look like Skybree, ooh. Right beside me, with a phantom off that body, yeah, yeah. Abu Dhabi, with a bad b- look like Skybree, ooh. Right beside me, with a phantom off that body, yeah, yeah. Abu Dhabi, with a bad b- Look like Scabby, ooh, right beside me In the phantom off that the yeah, yeah Abu Dhabi, with a bad bitch Look like Scabby, ooh, right beside me In the phantom off that the yeah, yeah Shorty a dancer with her OnlyFans Got her bands up, she independent Got a land truck, don't need no man But I'll man up for that, ooh Put it on camera, she a freak nun I can't handle When I'm pulling up in that phantom I got a boot wetter than Niagara, ooh. Bitch, I'm a dog, I'm with the leash Ain't no one holding me back, I'm a beast Showing them all, following my teeth Never with me in these streets, ooh Sky Bree hit me in my DMs I've been trying to meet up and see ya I can fly you out to Abu Dhabi With a bad bitch look like Skybree, ooh Right beside me, in the phantom off that booty, yeah, yeah Abu Dhabi, with a bad bitch look like Skybree, ooh Right beside me, in the phantom off that booty, yeah, yeah Abu Dhabi, with a bad bitch look like Skybree, ooh Right beside me, in the phantom off that booty, yeah, yeah Abu Dhabi, with a bad bitch look like Skybree, ooh Right beside me, in the phantom off that booty, yeah, yeah Today I want to, if I can, just shoot from the hip. I want to talk about uh, this city that I call home. Uh, Again, I have no notes. I have uh, no references, uh, no books in front of me. It's, It's just spitballing, if you please. Calling it in the ring, as you would hear some of the wrestlers say. Uh, I live in a city that is a part, in many cases, of the founding of this section of the world. The Jamestown era, the Captain John Smith, and uh, Pocahontas, all those fine entities that came along with Uh, the early settlings of this area, the pilgrims, uh, 
uh, you know, all that good stuff. Basically, Norfolk is about, oh, 400-some-odd years old. Uh, it was a town uh, back in the mid-1600s. Uh, then it became a, uh, a borough in the, round about the turn of the, uh, uh, mid-1700s, about mid-1700s. It became a borough right before the revolution. If you think about it, Norfolk was an uh, well. It was a part of the the original thirteen, because you know Virginia was a part of the original thirteen colonies, you know, and so it was a is a borough, and then it became a city in the mid to late eighteen hundreds, about eighteen forty some Martin there. It became a city, and now it's a part of the the Greater Hampton Roads area, which basically in many cases makes it a borough again but even though uh well well let, let, let's talk about that because socially it operates as a borough dare i even say economically in in some parts it operates as a borough but it still maintains its independence uh, for some reason this area cannot pull that trigger on the New York ideology, the New York idea. It flirts around with it a lot. You have uh, many folks uh, who uh, shadow idea, I guess I could say that. Uh, this being a borough system of many New York with all the other entities involved. And then you even think about the waterside area. If Portsmouth can ever uh, figure a couple things out, figure out that waterfront situation on the other side, uh, you could potentially see a blistering idea of or a blistering reflection of the Baltimore scenery. If you ever been to Baltimore, and looked around uh, their waterside experience, if you please. They basically have the same concept in Baltimore. Well, Baltimore, uh, the, the, the people who built Baltimore built waterside downtown. So, you know, I guess that, that makes sense. And then, you know, they have, you know, the spirit of Baltimore. We have the spirit of Norfolk, it's, even though it's the spirit of somebody else because the spirit of Norfolk caught on fire and burned down. Uh, so Norfolk is, uh, it's old, it's pretty settled, uh, both settled in, in tradition, basically it's settled in its ways. And it's kind of hard to, to break an old dog out of his old ways, you know? Once you get old and settled, you kind of you kind of do what you do. That being said, I have been thinking a lot about the city. And again, it's, it's a spitball thought. So it, it to some degree makes no sense that that's how a lot of my ideas start. It starts by not making sense. Uh, 
don't know every part of Norfolk. I don't. I know many parts of it, but I don't know every part. And without knowing every intricate detail of the area, uh, it can seem as though this city is the most boring place on planet Earth. But there's some hidden gems, some hidden ideas, some hidden ideals inside of this little this little pocket region that most do not know including old edb but then there is the public reality that norfolk is a very conservative city it is politically liberal i don't even know if that's even true i don't know if that's even true i think it 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 has liberal tendencies, but it is very. Uh, it bleeds blue, but I don't think it. I don't think it identifies with blue. I think that the political landscape is more of a fear of Republican. Uh, ideas and ideals more so than a uh, true belief in liberalism. What do I mean by that? Most of the people who vote blue in this town are uh, people who uh, may have, well, they have a problem with Donald Trump. They have a problem with Donald Trump. They have a problem with the current Republican Party. Uh, they have a problem with uh, various issues from a uh, African American perspective. They are social justice uh, warriors, if you please. And so those uh, ideas and ideals push them to vote uh, in a more liberal fashion. But then there's other parts, there's other wings of the of the liberal party that a lot of uh, Norfinians, you know, stress with. Uh, gay rights is one of those issues that is still uh, very, very uh, taboo. It's more and more uh, becoming uh, a mute point, but not quite. And, and even in that mute point, it is not uh, an idea of acceptance but rather just a, uh, let the let the bastards do whatever they do. Long as they don't come. It, it's kind of like, you know, if, okay, you got cooties, but long as you don't touch me, I'm all right. You, 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 we'll let you have cooties. Just stay over there, all right? Yeah. And so if I, I like to take the position that the Republican Party can ever get them themselves together, and become uh, fiscal uh, friendly, fiscally friendly. Uh, you know, be, be, be a good man to the poor. To the poor and the working people. That's another thing that I believe draws uh, the, the, the liberal movement in this area. 
If you go further down in North Carolina, you will find the Reverend William Barber. He's down there. William Barber the third. He's a, he's a third installment of the Barbers. Uh, and and his he takes the position of being the moral. He calls it moral injustice. And the moral injustice is that poor and working people struggle more in these areas, in these towns. Now, I, I am confused. I'm very confused. I, I do not, I, I, I get a lot of, conversations that happens and they tell me well Eric uh, we have to have a conversation because you know we got the gay rights issues and I don't really know why we're still having this conversation because that's so long ago it's like does anybody really well I'm not going to say that because I'm sure there are some some things that are still stressing the people in in all communities not just we're not going to just pick on one right so we'll we'll just we'll just table that for right now. But I will say that I I I do caution. I do caution that if we are investing more, which I believe both parties do, both the Democrats and the Republicans, we're investing more. And identity issues rather than fundamental and basic human rights, basic human necessities. What I mean by that is, I said I wasn't going to talk about this, but I do want to point one or two things out, and I, and and I hope that it's taken as fair. The majority or, 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 or a huge significant chunk, and I know I, I know a lot of friends. I have a lot of, I know a lot of people. That's what I wanted to say. I know a lot of people in the LGBTQIA community, a lot of people. And out of those lot of people that I know, they spend summers on yachts. They spend winters in log cabins. They are um, influential people in some instances. In most instances, they're influential people. Uh, it's a it's a it's a crime of identity. Now, before you or anybody goes, well, Eric, we we want to have the right to love who we love and care for who we want to care for and be in relationship with. I, I get all that. I get all that. But I, I would hope that we can understand this is a crime of identity. It is not a crime of fundamental providence. Fundamental providence is all you have to do as a gay person is keep your damn mouth shut. Now, before you jump off and 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 have an ADHD moment because we are societally ADHD all of us 
before you hear what you want and decide to dismiss the rest of the conversation because it just doesn't appeal to what you want to hear. I beg of you, if we're going to talk about how we better our culture, if we're going to talk about how we have a stronger society, then we have to have some real truths. Most gay people that I know, and I don't know all of them, but I'm talking about the ones that I know. And the ones I know, I know loudmouths. I know a lot of loudmouths. The ones I know, all they got to do is keep their damn mouth shut. And they don't have a problem in the world. They're not going to lose their jobs. They're not going to lose their standings. They're not going to lose their influence. And to some degree, even in 2023 now, or should I say in 2023, not even because there's been an evolution. In 2023, they're not keeping their mouth shut and they're still advancing. They're still getting uh, opportunities hand over fist, more so because we don't want to discriminate. And I'm proud to say that we can live in a society that people can, can live their lives and not have to suffer because of their decisions, because of their choices or, 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 or how their lives has been orchestrated, however you want to in, whatever, insert, however you want to put it there. But poor and working class people at the low end of the totem pole, they're still poor. They're still pushing from hand to mouth. They're still struggling with basic health care needs. They can't go to the doctor and they suffer from ailments that could probably get fixed in a, in, in a 24 to 48 hour period. But they can't do that because they don't have basic medical needs. They can't go to the doctor. They have oral issues. That could probably get solved just by, you know, two or three visits to a, to a dentist. But they can't do that because dentistry is excruciating. The bill is more excruciating than the actual pain. Doesn't matter who you're sleeping with. Doesn't matter who you love. Physical ailments is physical ailments. So, those things you can't really shut your mouth about. You can't really shut your mouth and be fine. You're going to be poor. You're going to be on the streets. You're going to have bad education options. Horrible education options. Those things are all around us. I, again, going back to my gay friends. And you may say, well, Eric, you're picking on the gay folks. I'm not picking on anybody. I'm just stating some facts. Because every time you look, we want to have a conversation about gay rights. And the gays need to be heard and they need to be supported and all this other good stuff. And, 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 and great, but they're rich people. The majority of the gay folks that I know, I'm talking about the folks I know. Now, are there some people out there that are struggling? Of course they are. Of course they are. 
But I don't believe gayness has anything to do with it. I believe it's a problem with poor and working class people. That is the struggle. Nobody gives a damn about who you love anymore. Nobody gives a damn about who you're sleeping with anymore. And the ones that do don't matter. But the problem now, again, I reiterate, is poor and working class people. The minority struggle. When I, uh, when, when I started in uh, my little stint of, uh, well, I've always considered myself, I said this here, a social advocate, not an activist. I hate that term. I'm an advocate. I believe in speaking on behalf of those who do not have uh, the voice and the microphone and the platform that I have been granted. I believe in standing in the gap for the poor and the working class people. What I mean by that, and that's not just some buzzword. They're, they're, when I say the poor and the working class people, I mean those are the folks who got to go work two or three jobs. They ain't got time to go to civic league meeting. They don't have time to engage in the policies and the politics of the country. They ain't got time to do They got to go home. They got to feed their children. They got to do homework. They got to wash clothes and, and do meal prep and tend to the everyday needs. They're the poor and the working class people. And those people need an advocate more than anybody else because, again, you're going to say I'm, I'm, I'm picking on the gay man. But, you know, I, I, I can line a couple up. They're, they're heavily in the theater. They're at every civic league, at every community meeting. They're at every social event. Anytime there's a, a fiesta, they're present. And if they're not, then they have friends that can hold down the fort while they're out doing whatever they're doing. But the poor and the working class. Now, before, before this gets too far out of hand and it really sounds like a gay bashing, let, let, me, let me peel back the onion. And get to the allergic induced section. Because when when as I was beginning, when I started in the activism business or the advocate business, but they told me I was an activist and I just, you know, I said kinda of like Eminem, I am whatever you say I am, you know, and, and but now I'm getting kind of fed up with it. So uh, you know, don't call me an activist. We already repeated that, so we'll just move on from here. But I I started working on Black Lives Matters. And we thought, we thought that Black Lives Matters was one particular entity. We thought that it was, uh, well, it was a response to some issues that was going on. And then we got down deep and dirty into it and we realized, wait a minute here. Wait, wait a minute here. There's something here that, that we didn't know about. Hmm. Something here that we didn't think about. And so I, I I learned or I gathered this idea and ideals, these ideas and ideals that I have now from that point in reality. And I want to talk about that because I hope that 
in that moment, in that conversation, if you please, we can we can draw our uh, conclusion, and hopefully we'll get an understanding from that in just a few moments. So so I, I'm going to I'm going to deal with that a little bit. Uh, let, let, let's put that on the on the table right now and deal with that individually. And the second aspect that I want to deal with, that please write these things down because you know how my brain works. I, I get an ideas and I forget. I want to deal with the youth struggle in this town because it's it's kind of this. Uh, you got young people on paper, but when you got young folks, it's like twenty seven going on ninety. Because we have indoctrinated people to act like old people in certain things. Basically carry the banner of the old torch. So so when you got a 12-year-old that's preaching like a 70-year-old and sounding like one. I remember when I used to get up, I was 12 years old and I'd get up and when I stand up, like my bones was creaking, like, dude, you're only 12. Your bones, shut the boy. But again, it was becoming a product of my environment. All I ever knew, all I ever hung around with was old people. And so I started to act like and respond and see the world through an old man's lens. So, so for, well, Eric Barrett's an ageist and, and he just doesn't like the old people. No, it's not that I don't like the old people. It's that I have understood that there's a, a, a an evolutionary process. There is a changing of the guard. There is a different set of ideas and ideals that have to be put in play. And part of that comes from a, from an emerging generation. And so I fear that the the conversation why I'm I'm seemingly hating on the gays today is basically because uh, we're pushing a Republican agenda on a liberal ticket. Like for example, a lot of my gay friends are Republicans. Oh, they 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 feel like the poor man should go somewhere and sit down. That that he deserves to get paid seven dollars twenty five cent an hour. That he doesn't need a working wage. And to some degree, they sit by and and they support the war against the the poor and the working class people. And that is where I kind of get a little bit frustrated. I get very frustrated because how the hell are you going to be against the poor and the working class people when you were oppressed too? It's kind of like a black man that's sitting there talking. It's kind of like Clarence Thomas or, or more recently, Tim Scott. How are you going to stand on the stage and preach the gospel, the propaganda of an entity who is promoting ideas and ideals that not just 60 years ago hung your cousin from a tree. It's fascinating to me. So that's why it seems that I'm picking on the gay people. And again, I'm going to take a pause right here for the calls. Uh, get a little breather here. And then I'm gonna go deep. I'm gonna give you some examples. I'm, I, I want. I want. I want. Yeah, I want to. I want to. I want to go deeper. You mind if we go deeper? 
All right, we, we, we're going to do that. And uh, let me, let me, let's take a pause and, and kind of clear my head. And we'll go deeper. Mm. Bet you never know. Say we have the power, but there's things we touch the road. Tell them say we ready. Clip them on the cut, she load. She don't know say we no regular. Anything we ready for. Bet you never know. Bet you never know. Now nah, go take no talk, I beg no pardon, that's for sure Bet you never know, bet you never know How we are like the badness, we are like the globe Bet you never know Bet you never know How we are like the badness, we are like the globe that uh, when I started my advocacy work I joined an organization called Black Lives Matters um, everybody knows that from a massive reality but they, they had little ch little local chapters the Norfolk one never worked part of it is because everybody had an ego and the other part was that Norfolk just is not suitable Norfolk just can't handle it's it's too Republican. It, it it is too conservative to handle something as liberal as Black Lives Matters. So we tried it because we thought many of us that Black Lives Matters was a response to Trayvon Martin's assassination. Can we call it an assassination? 
I know that's it was assassination is really when you hit down the public figures. So we'll just call it a murder. Okay, I prefer to, to call it, let's just call it a murder. All right, so we'll make everybody happy. So that's what we thought. We're, we're all geared up and and I was excited because I thought, I thought finally, I had been walking around here trying to get uh, some help, if you please, trying to get a conversation started here in Norfolk for the poor and the working class people. And it was going nowhere. And so we had this opportunity, this death, if you please, of Trayvon Martin. And I was like, well, finally, we can do something. Everybody was talking about, you know, let's do A, B, C, D, E. And, and, and we were going to do a whole thing. And they had, they had a, uh, uh, painted a mural somewhere. And, and we was talking about putting that on the trail, and, and, uh, which, which is something that we should reconsider maybe uh, here in the future, like going back and revisiting that mural. Uh, maybe going down town or somewhere on the eastern expansion or, or somewhere, uh, I don't know, uh, painting Black Lives Matters out there and, 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 and really uh, bringing awareness to that. That might be something that, that can uh, really drive home the conversation uh, to uh, the whitewash that seems in some people's mind is happening in Norfolk. But we'll talk about that later. Uh, right now, uh, the major issue was when this Black Lives Matters came through, uh, we got into the meeting and realized we had a problem. Nobody told us publicly, but they told us in private that Black Lives Matters was gay affirming. And we looked around the room and went, Excuse me? And I was the liaison, if you please, to the black church. So it was my task and my responsibility to figure out how to go around to the black church and convince them that they need to get on board with Black Lives Matters. Now, how am I supposed to do that when you got this big old gay affirming thing now, now here here was the ticker here was the ticker we weren't going to tell them that that that, that was the pitch don't tell them that it has gay rights included don't tell them that so we're going to secretly get them on board secretly get them funding something that ultimately did not do what we were setting out to do. It was not going to support the poor and the working class people. It was not really going to do anything to help uh, combat the issues that... Think about this for a second. Just ponder on this. All those resources that was taken in from Black Lives Matters and yet the Negro is still getting gunned down in the street. So, so what exactly did the Black Lives Matter movement do? It did absolutely nothing. It just came. It was a fad. It, 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 it did two or three details. Then it rolled off into the sunset, never to be heard from again. That, that's the thing where, where some people who are a part of the conservative movement or, or the political uh, uh, restraint system 
I don't know if I, I was trying to think about what goes there. We'll just talk it through and, and then maybe we'll come up with a term a little bit later. Uh, but you get the political, uh, the political, the political elites who just sit there and they just look at, you know, activists in some, because to some degree they are. They're just a bunch of cheerings. They're a bunch, and, and, and hear me out before you get all ADHD on me, because we societally ADHD. They're just a bunch of cheerings who hear something that pisses them off, and then once they, you know, get their bottle. They go off in the sunset. How many? How many? All go back to 2017 in this town. 2017. Where are all those activists? Where are they at? Have you seen them? Huh? You, you seen them? No. You know why? Cause they ain't here no more. They gone. We had an issue where we were dealing with the Confederate monuments. And some folks got together and said, we got to get this shit out of our neighborhood. That's exactly what they said. This is not, this is not cool for the image. It didn't, they didn't give a damn about poor and working class people. Half of us Negroes didn't even know that thing was down there. And if we did, we won't pay much attention to it because we were down there making $5 an hour. So those symbols didn't really matter because what those symbols represent is still there. And so to some degree, it presented the message, oh, you want us to take down the symbols because you don't want any type of physical evidence that you're treating poor and working class people like, like they're shit. So they got together. They took the statues down. God bless their heart. Half of them dead. The other one has moved on somewhere. Ain't nobody here no more. Because it wasn't about a a a problem to solve a law. It was. It didn't have long term goals. It was just a short term fix. It was a band aid, which is mostly what activism is. It is a band aid. They just come together. They scream loud and 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 and. and you know, present this this facade of proud. I'm loud and I'm proud. You know, and then after that, after, after whatever they, I don't even think. I'm thinking. Let me think back. I don't even think many of those people. No, they won't even hear when the thing came down. They won't. They were all gone. Yeah. That's, wow. I, I, it just, just popped into my brain. Now, he, here's the thing that frustrated me about that. And I'm going to get back to BLM. But all, all this was around about the same time. Uh, when they came up and they, we, we would meet and we would sit down. And, and I, I became very frustrated because, again, all they cared about was getting that damn statue down in the middle of Main Street. But when you talked about, okay, let's do programs and projects that can benefit the poor and the work class people. No, no, we, 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 no, Eric. That, that. Eric, what you need to do is stay on task. Okay? You need to stay on mission. You're not on mission. And, and it was something that I didn't realize back then because I wanted to be nice. 
I wanted to be friends with everybody. And I didn't realize these fuckers was goddamn gaslighting me. Because they didn't care about anything other than the images, the physical evidence of racism, of an assault on poor working class people. They just didn't want the evidence there. But they didn't give a damn that the remove the evidence and the residue that the physical attributes are still there. So Black Lives Matters came up. And it was gay and queer affirming. And I asked the question. I said, why do we here in Black Lives Matters have to deal with the issue of gay and queer affirming? Don't we have bigger fish to fry as, as African-American people? You got pride down the street. Why can't pride take care of this piece of business? And the answer came back to me that pride was racist. That's where I get the, the reality or, or the, the train of thought that they're screaming and hollering about let me marry my boyfriend and let me be able to adopt cheering and let me be able to sleep with and live with whoever I want. But at the same time, they're still societally racist. That's where I get the idea that the gay man just shut the fuck up and don't say nothing. His life is fine. He just wanted the right to be able to go out there and tuck and, 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 and suck tongue in public and not lose his, his, his amenities. That's all his problem was. Let's come on, tell the truth. That's all the gay man's problem was. His amenities was on the line. His yacht was on the line. His membership at the golf course was on the line. At the country club was on the line. And why should I have to lose my spot? Because I want to suck face with a dude instead of sucking face with the opposite sex. That's all it was for them. But they still, and go down there, it might be a little bit better now. They may be. I've been to a meeting in a long time. But I went in that meeting, there was only one, two Negroes in there. Me included. And I looked around this room. At that time, there was a president, and uh, we'll just let that we'll just let that just just leave that there for for a moment. Partially because he may be profitable, we may be able to do some things. So I, I don't want to bury him. But uh, I looked around that room, and I and I because I went down to the pride meeting. I did. Because I want to know why pride couldn't handle this. And I went down there and wrote a nice little speech. And, and you know, he didn't have, I don't want, anyway, I'm trying not to bury the bastard. Um, you know, sometimes I just want to spit at people. I can't wait till I get old and I don't have to do anything else in this town. 
that's the moment when you should get scared of Eric Barrett. Y'all shouldn't be scared of Eric Barrett right now. Eric Barrett is very uh, conservative right now. But wait till I get super liberal. I'm going to get super liberal right before I die. I'm going to write a couple books. And in all them books, I'm going to spit at everybody. I'm going to call names. I'm going to cuss everybody out. I'm going to tell you how I really feel about everybody. And you're going to realize I ain't never like a damn person. I'm telling you. Lord, I can't wait to get old. Huh? I can't wait till this life just don't matter no more. Right now it matters. Because even I still got I, I still got to eat. Still got to keep roof over my head. Still got to keep clothes on my back. So I still got to work in this system because, you know, if I don't, I can get put out. And I, I, I still got, but boy, oh, I feel like talking like an old preacher. Oh, boy. You just wait till I get old. Lord, I can't. Woo, yes, sir. I felt happy that I'm a soul thinking about it. Round about 90. Uh, the, the books is going to hit the shelves and it's just going to keep popping out. It's going to keep popping out like a hooker that can't figure out how to stop getting pregnant. Um, so uh, I went down to the pride meeting to have a conversation. It sucked. It didn't go well. Because, again, they didn't want to have a conversation about the poor and the working class people. They didn't want to talk about the struggle that was going on. They didn't want to talk about the struggle that was going on amongst their own people. You see, the problem was, and this is where the, the, the gay or the Black Lives Matters movement took the position. The Black Lives Matters took the position that gay and queer rights was fine to fight in the white community because, again, all they had to lose was their amenities. They still had good jobs. They were in safe communities. They were part of, of a system that financially was profiting them. They, they, were, they were recipients of uh, uh, benefits of their whiteness. I can't think of it a term there. Please excuse me that it, it escapes me. But the black man who also wanted to go out and suck face with the, with his brother in public, he couldn't do that because he was working at Sam Lamb. So they couldn't hurt Tim Cook because Tim Cook's rich. Tim Cook is the head of Apple. You ain't going to do a damn thing to Tim Cook. He can suck whoever's face he want to suck. Ain't nothing gonna happen. But Tim, go look at Tim Cook's belief system from a from a, a political perspective. That bastard is as, as red as red can be. He taking up the ass from a dude, but he red as red can be. And so Black Lives Matter took the position that we got to do something. Because the people who cannot compete on a Tim Cook level, they're the ones that's getting mauled down in the streets. They're the ones who's getting hurt. And that's where I believe the church should take the position because the truth of the matter is our, our kids are getting beat up 
because they cannot afford to be gay. That's the conversation that I think nobody's having. That there are people who can't afford to be gay. Now, maybe if I started in that direction, maybe if I had that conversation, then we could get some traction. So I'm at the Pride meeting, and uh, I'm getting ignored. Nobody wants to talk to me. Number one, I'm not gay. And uh, I want to come here and talk about poor and working class people. Then I took a lunch. And that, I mean, it was cordial. It, again, didn't go anywhere. Because all these folks were privileged. They were privileged. I said they were privileged. And uh, they were part of the 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 societal elite here in the city. And again, it did not matter. They did not, at least on the surface, have to deal with the effects, with the, the hard realities that face the poor and the working class people. So they just want to talk about the fact that they wanted to get gender re-identifying re or, or redefining surgeries. It was a big old uh, thing in the paper about this guy. I can't remember his name, and I don't want to butcher it, but he uh, transitioned himself. I think he went from a guy to a girl. He might have went from a girl to a guy. I don't remember the details. You can go and, and look up the pilot and uh, uh, gender re gender reidentify. What was the, what was those things called? I can't remember. But go look it up. It's in the pilot. It was a big thing back in 17, 18, 17, somewhere in there. It was a big story, front page. Me and that gentleman or lady, I don't even know what, what I, I don't even remember. So far ago, I, please forgive me. I, I don't mean to disrespect. I just don't remember what it was. But we don't talk anymore. And so Eric Barrett became the asshole. I was defined as the same. But again, here was my point. How do we do our part to make the world a better place for the poor and the working class people? I have no problem going to the line and telling the gay folks or, or speaking on behalf of saying. They need the rights to live their lives. We shouldn't have nobody out here telling people how they should live. And you ain't no, you ain't nobody God. Brother Joshua gave you that example over there in, in the end of his book. Round about chapter 24, he, he comes out and he, he has this big old soliloquy, this big old discussion, his manifesto, if you please. He's like, listen, uh, Everybody's got their own ideas and their own ideals. I would prefer that we take a unified front, but I, I've come to the conclusion that ain't going to happen. Number one, we, we won't really align on anything other than what we had, which, which, which goes back to that, that idea of activism being nothing more than a child's play. 
stick to the mission, Eric. All the children of Israel wanted to do was get the hell out of Egypt, get the hell out of slavery. But even in their exit, in their great exodus, they were still not on the same page. They were just woven together by a reality of freedom and by a pursuit of a promised land that, well, promised peace and tranquility and prosperity. And at the end of Joshua's text, they had gotten that peace and prosperity, which means they had nothing else to hold them together anymore. They, they, they were just, Joshua just said, hey, listen, all right, y'all go do what y'all do. I'm going to go over here and do what I do. So we got some references to, to, for us to take the position that let them do it. I have no problem with that. Where I have the problem is you're getting, talk about the gay man, your rights, you're getting more and more and more and more accepted. And we still have a problem with the poor and the working class. We still have a problem with the people who do not have a seat at the table. Some people say, well, Eric, you have to understand something. Before I tell you what I have to understand, let, let me paint the picture for you. We are celebrating in our, in our world that there are more and more gay people in positions of power. Here's where I want you to think about this. Well, I desire for you to, to just rest your, your trains of thought. Is it that we have more and more people in positions of power that are gay because we're accepting gayism? Or are we just not stopping these people who are already in power and now we're just letting them be gay openly instead of quietly? So if that's the case, then we really are not putting gay people in power. They were already in power. We're just allowing them now to be open with it. Huh? They had already went to Princeton. They had already went to Yale. They just kept the damn mouth shut. They had already worked at the law firms. They just kept the damn mouth shut. Remember, their argument was not how do we get accepted into these places. Their argument is how can we get there and suck tongue in public? And so now we're allowing them to suck tongue in public. Remember back to, to uh, Mr. Clinton, don't ask, don't tell. They were already at the top of the military. They just want to get into suck tongue in public. So now, what do we have? Well, first of all, that's why gay issues were so easy. People say it's hard. No, it was really easy because you were already in power. What's hard is the conversation. And, and, and again, let, let me not dismiss it and say, oh, well, you know, you ain't had no fight. You ain't had no crying. It, 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 well, it wasn't as hard as what I'm trying to say. Poor and working class people. That's excruciating. 
because now we're talking about balancing the fiscal the, uh, the, the fiscal system. The hourglass, if you will, the, the little shekel, what do you call them things? You put the little weights in it and then it goes up and down, you know. The leveler. How do we level the playing field? That's what I'm trying to think. That's hard. That's excruciating. Yeah. Poor and working class people. Hmm. There's no more sports? Nope. Well, at least not football anyways. Oh. We'll see about the other one. What other one? Hockey, baseball. Oh. But you're done with sports. Yep. Because of one loss, you're going to give up on the whole squad. But I mean, Matthew. I mean, it was it was George Kittle. That and the college football one too. 
Oh, the Miami Hurricanes. Did, er- you, did you see what happened with the Miami Hurricanes? Everybody knows the Miami Hurricanes suck. It's okay. No, they won that game. Like, okay. They literally just had to take a knee to win that game. I, they I, handed the ball to Georgia Tech and let them take the win. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if you've seen it yet or not, but if you haven't seen it yet, I'll explain it to you. So what happened is there was literally 37 seconds left in the game. Georgia Tech had no timeouts left. Miami's up by three. All they have to do is take a knee, clock runs out, they win the game. For some strange reason, their head coach decides, hey, we're going to let the running back run another play. So he runs it, he fumbles it, Georgia Tech gets the ball back. They have 26 seconds. They're still down by three. They still got to score if they want to win, which they end up making three plays in their 26 seconds and scoring a touchdown to win the game. And the guy still has a job. And this and this head coach still has a job. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. He still somehow has a job. And when they asked him about it after the game, he goes, "Yeah, I probably should have told him to just take a knee." Well, no shit, Sherlock. The announcer the entire time was saying the same thing. Like, as I'm watching the game, the announcer's like, "It's strange that they're." Like lining up to make another play when all they got to do is take a knee. Like, you really just want to take a knee here. It's called victory formation for a reason. Like, the announcer is criticizing it the entire time that the player's being run, and then of course they fumble it, and the announcer's like, and that's why you take a knee. So that you don't have this happen where the running back fumbles it, and now you're going to lose the game. All they had to do is take a knee. And he still has a job. Yep. And, I mean, that pretty much, like, ruins the season right there. Because in college football, when you get one loss, like, you're pretty much screwed. Like, you're not going to have a chance to go to the college football playoffs now. I mean, yeah, they could still win, you know, a couple more games and go to a bowl and all that stuff. But, I mean, as far as their chances of making it to the college football playoffs, it's pretty much over with. How many losses have they had? That's the first one. So, 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 let me get this straight. The Hurricanes was fucking undefeated. Yep. And, and on a dumbass play, they not only lost the game, but they lost their undefeated streak. Yep. And he still has a job? Yep. Like, they would be 5-0 and right now if not for that stupid play. Well. Yeah, that pretty much ruined their season right there because they would have been 5-0. They were ranked number 17, so they would have probably moved up at least a couple of spots. Now, granted, it should have never even came down to that because the team they were playing, they should have been able to beat them without having to worry about, like, you know, being only up by three with a minute left in the game. There's really no reason that should have even been a a challenge for them, but it was for some reason because that's what happens. They always end up playing down to their competition. So, yeah, so that happened Saturday night, and then come Sunday night, we all know what happened there, the 49ers and the Cowboys. So I'm just like, you know what? Two straight nights of shitty football. I, I am, I'm so pissed at football right now. Now you know how I felt last weekend. Like, I don't want to watch another Miami Hurricanes game because that was the stupidest thing I've ever seen in a game. And then the Cowboys, I mean, they give us hope, and then they go play, you know, an actually good team and get train wrecked, like demolished, steamrolled, boat race, whatever you want to call it, like, 
I mean, dude, it was George Kittle. <laughs> what are you? Uh, apparently, apparently, Monday was George Kittle's birthday, so it was the day before his birthday. So apparently, that's why he went out and got three touchdowns. Dak Prescott again looked like shit, throwing three interceptions. It was he had, he had he had one interception in the first four games, and then all of a sudden he goes and plays Forty ers and three interceptions. Dude, it was George Kittle. What did you expect? Yeah, well, we have a great defense, so I would expect that they would actually show up for the game, but defense didn't show up, and then, you know, offense was completely non-existent. Like, at least, if the defense isn't going to be there, then that's when Dak Prescott really needs to step up and start making plays. He didn't. And we're paying the dude, like, $45, $50 million a year for what? First of all, you're not paying him anything because you don't have a stake in that. But still, go ahead. No, Jerry Jones is paying him, but why? You know, I mean, you could you could have Cooper Rush go in there and run the game, win some games like he did last year. A lot cheaper that way too. I thought Cooper. I thought Cooper Rush was in Las Vegas. No, we still got Cooper Rush on there, and then they also have Trey Lance. Hmm. Again, it was freaking. And like, I like Dak Prescott. He's a great guy, but he doesn't seem like he's gonna be able to get it done. Just like Tony Romo. Tony Romo, great guy, great quarterback, just wasn't able to get it done. Tony Romo. Stuck in the cycle of we're stuck in the cycle of getting some good quarterbacks that like, you know, they have good personality and all that, and they have some talent, but they just when it comes time to play against a team that, you know, has some talent too. They don't show up. Well, first of all, it's glad that we can hear you in this this rant because you know there was for some time we we couldn't hear you because you know we had a volume issue. But uh, so first of all, glad glad we can hear you. Secondly, um, or secondly, it's George Kittle, dude. I don't care if it's George Kittle, if it's Travis Kelsey, if it's you know Sammy. Jones or whoever the hell it is, if the Dallas defense is going to be a great defense, they need to be able to stop whoever they're going against. If they're going to be a team that's a championship caliber, then when they play against another team that's championship caliber, they need to show up. Nobody's going to beat George Kittle right now. Except maybe Jason Kelsey. That's about the only person that has an opportunity to beat George Kittle. There's I only mean, Jason Kelsey doesn't actually go up against George Kittle because he's on the offensive line, not defensive line. It doesn't matter what it is. I'm just saying. So you're saying the Eagles are the only other team that have a chance to beat George Kittle? Pretty much. Gotcha. I mean, they're the only team in the NFL that's five that, that's undefeated right now. I mean, so you know. And the Eagles, for the, for two years straight, has been the dominant team that has gotten all the way to the promised land. They got there last year. They're like they're going there again. Hold on, I gotta go. My name came up a lot of sounds. More when I was not around. Certain people that I know, they're no longer about. Unless you heard it from.
time together today to a close. It is always so exciting to spend some time with you. I do appreciate it. Again, on behalf of No Copyright Sound, Mr. DJ, Ma'am DJ, Non-Binary DJ, I thank you for empowering creators through royalty-free and no copyright music. Uh, how about we do this again? Lord willing and that damn crick. Got, you got to make me, you got to think about that crick. If you're in the Norfolk area, Tomorrow, about 9.45, 10 a.m., head on over to the uh, Pocket Pantry, 1632 Browns Avenue, North Virginia, 23504. I believe 23504 is the zip code. Put that in your GPS, and uh, when you get to that address, you'll see it. You'll see that lovely piece of business. We'll be out there tomorrow, so come on by and join us. That'll be awesome sauce. Again, I appreciate you on behalf of the platform which you chose to consume this and look forward to when we can do this again. Lord willing, I got to say it again. And that damn crick don't rise. Till then, for me and mine, unto you and yours. Laters.